This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Push Up Brentford podcast. Push Up Brentford is an oral history project set up to commemorate the last year the club will play at Griffin Park, their home for 116 years. We have interviewed fans, young and old, as well as players and managers to uncover their personal stories. We have created a fascinating living history of Brentford Football Club, starring the people who have made it such a special place over the years. This project is run by volunteers, many of them Brentford fans and supported by the art and education charity Digital Works. This episode is called The Theatre of Dreams and Griffin Park itself takes centre stage. Fans recall the days when the terraces were full, when the Royal Oak Stand was in its heyday and you need to turn up early just to guarantee getting into the ground. And then there were the days of relegation where the few thousand fans would just turn up, rattling around the near empty ground the diehards who would recall their former glory days while hoping for better days to come. There's talk of the ground itself, the dire toilets, the old-fashioned floodlights and the magic of the evening games, as well as memories of proud moments on the terraces. Finally, fans talk about what the club and ground have meant to them over the years, their feelings about leaving Griffin Park and their hopes for the future of this wonderful club. We hope you enjoy the many voices and stories you will hear. Well, of course, in my younger days, yes, it was mostly standing. And I said my father was here in a crowd of 38,000, which seemed, it seems very difficult to even conceive now of getting 38,000 people into the area, let alone into the ground. In the early years when I attended, because we were in the second division, it was virtually all standing except for the seating along uh, Braemar Road. Though it was all standing, lots of people, the average crowd when I started going for home games was about 22,000, between 20 and 25,000. And uh, there was a lot of atmosphere there. It was wonderful. And I've, I've stood around all, all the four terraces. So I've, I then went to the Royal Oak, um, which was amazing. That's proper old school terrace where if Brentford scored, there'd be a sort of big surge forward. 
Uh, Griffin Park was a lot, lot bigger, a lot bigger when I first started uh, coming. It was, you had the whole Royal, Royal Oak End, you had a really uh, much deeper um, uh, new road uh, before, before they, they had to chop the back off. Uh, so it was a lot bigger, and it always, um, I, mean, I was smaller, but it always felt really, really big. And uh, the atmosphere was probably not as good as it is now, to be honest, because although it was big, it was like half empty. The thing about early Brentford days was the Royal Oak. I mean, if you were a young kid, it was standing on this huge terrace. And if you like the singing, you stand in one particular spot. You know, it wasn't sort of kind of five or ten of you. There'd, you know, there'd be quite a few hundred of you, you know, um, you know, four, five, six hundred, maybe eight hundred, I don't know, even more, actually in a big block who used to stand in one section and they used to do all the singing. And, uh, and that's how you kind of got the real buzz from, from Brentford. And the atmosphere was, was really, the atmosphere was, was, was brilliant. The feelings I have for for uh, for the club, I think, have previously been wrapped up in this ground and and this little bit and this and there's something fantastically old football about it. I think, you know, that if you look at the geography of the ground, there's little houses all around it. The fact that it is a burger van where where I get my burgers from at a half time. Well, Griffin Park hasn't changed much. Griffin Park has always been um, the same, right? It's tight. It's cramped. Um, the queues for the canteen are too long. The toilets are horrible. Um, getting in the turnstiles is, is an awkward push, which often hurts your thighs as you try and barge your way in. Trying to stay dry was also an issue. I think there was a problem at one stage where you'd stand there and the, the, the roofing was um, tin. You know, if the ball bounced on the top of the roof, then you'd get showered with rust from the inside. You know, it's educating my nephews who are Arsenal fans to getting them to come down and stand when they're looking, where's the screen? I said, there isn't one. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a different experience. So actually to feel about football and getting back to that's what football really means. Like it is basic, you know, I, I think anybody would deny the fact that that's not, you know, if you compared it to a lot of the other stadiums now, it is, it, it, it obviously noticed it was tired. But, you know, that comes with character, doesn't it? I do remember chips. They stopped serving chips because I don't... This was what I was told, probably Brentford Rumours meal. Um, but they had to stop serving chips because when they turned on the deep fat fryer, it would blow up the floodlights. The fact that there are four old-school floodlights that look like they're made out of Meccano um, with beacons on the top is, is a factor that makes it like no other club in London still. Those evening games really did have that sort of electric excitement. As you approached the ground, of course, you saw the floodlights from distance. And I think that's the thing that created the atmosphere because you can, you can in daylight, if the lights aren't on, you can't necessarily see the ground from further away but when the lights are on and you can see it from up to a mile away and as you approach you know they get brighter and you could start to hear the the crowd you get a buzz and it's that it's just that anticipation I think as you approach the ground and see the lights that that creates that little spark of electricity. I can remember 
um, because my dad used to work nights a lot, and it was one match, um, believe it or not, I can still remember it was against Bristol City, it was a Tuesday evening match, and I wanted to go. Took a lot of persuading to allow my mother to let me go. Um, and I had lots of questions. Well, you know where to get the bus? Yes, you know where to get off the bus? Yes, when we get to the gasworks and the main road's very thin, then you get off and I walk up Ealing Road. Um, and that was the first time I came to a match on my own. Ah, I suppose I was about nine, ten years old at that time. How did you describe magical? It's impossible. But that's, that's the feeling I get even now, walking in of a night time and it's dark outside and you walk into this blaze of light. It's, it's just totally different. Something special happens that changes the ground from just, you know, a football ground somewhere to you're under the floodlights. It's like it's a, a stage almost. It's like you're watching a performance where everything is set in motion and it's exactly how it's meant to be and it's like gloriously lit and everyone's playing their parts and yeah, it's fantastic. Nineteen fifty-eight, we had a, a, a gate of twenty-nine thousand when we played Brighton on the last match of the season. We won one nil. Bill Gandry scored the goal, took us to the top of the league, and Brighton had one game left. They played that three days later at home to Watford. They won six nil. So we didn't go up. Then after that, we continued, and then till nineteen sixty-one, we got actually relegated to the fourth division. I'm sure you've heard that expression already, it's Brentford, isn't it? <laughs> it means we can get ourselves into the most brilliant position and then it drifts away. It's Brentford, isn't it? So, so one outstanding memory I have is of the Martin, Martin Allen years. Um, we were always punching above our weight and getting to the playoffs. We knew we'd run out of gas, we knew we'd run out of steam. We were playing Sheffield Wednesday at Griffin Park and very quickly it became clear that this just wasn't going to happen. The players had given it everything but they had nothing left to give. Sheffield Wednesday soon started overrunning us and I think with 2-0 up within the first half the players were out of reach, the dream was over. But something magical happened in that second half. Um, almost like an appreciation for what the team and particularly the manager had managed to achieve that year the crowd burst into the theme tune of Martin Allen, which was The Great Escape. And it rang around the ground for 30 minutes solid, everyone cheering. Da-da, 30 minutes, everyone to a man sang. The atmosphere was lifted, it was emotional. We knew we were gonna lose, but it, wasn't gonna, it, it didn't matter. It was no longer about victory, it was about support, it was about community, it was showing the Wednesday fans, but more importantly our own fans, that this defeat didn't matter. We were going to be here next year and we were going to, to use the cliche, go again. A defeat, but still probably my favourite time at Griffin Park when it comes to a football match. Peterborough away was unbelievable. After so many years of, of you know, life in the doldrums really, um, to get promoted and to beat Birmingham and Stoke to promotion 
and go up as champions was incredible. Um, and I can still remember, I still gets the hairs on the back of my neck standing up, the, when, when the news came through that I think it was Stoke were losing and all around the ground everybody was up and, you know, this was it, this was the moment. Um, that, was, that was an incredibly proud moment. It was just a, mag a magical day and then not only did we win and not only were thousands and thousands of Brentford fans there, there was a race back to Griffin Park after the final whistle and the players were in the same race pretty much and we wanted to come back here to, to home to celebrate it and you know the scenes went long into the night. I had a big thing out on the pitch where the team came out that looked so worse for wear it was unbelievable but they came out to lift the trophy and then they got on their bus <laughs> and they went all the way through Brentford High Street and then I don't I don't know the route that they took but they ended up at the Civic Centre but it, it was just brilliant and it was nice to see Griffin Park full of people that weren't even necessarily fans, but they knew something big had happened, something amazing had happened. Because the way they won, they won that season as well. You know, they had to win by so many goals. All the other games had to go against them. The trophy had been sent to Stoke or Birmingham, I think. They, they were the biggest long shot of doing it. And then to do it, it was... It, it was that was my favourite season of being a Brentford supporter. With regard to the, the, the on the field stuff, proudest moment was seeing us promoted against Preston um, and the pitch invasion. Um, that was seeing, seeing us get promoted to the second tier again and being confident that we were going to stay there and not only stay there, thrive there. Um, and then every week since really has been full of pride. The last match of the season, here we are in the beehive. Do we have another pint of beer? The time's 2.45. Nothing happens in the first five minutes of each game. And lately all the other 85 are much the same. A defence you'd use for goalposts on Sundays down the park. No midfield and a forward line on loan from Noah's Ark. So we have another pint of beer and turn up to the ground. Five minutes late. One nil down. La la la, la la la, life is football. La la la, la la la, life is football. Then it goes from bad to boring, you thank God there's no third half. No one looks like scoring and a keeper knits a scarf. For the guide dog of the referee, the shot runs out of pies. No one's sure how, but we accidentally equalise. La la la, la la la, life is football. La la la, la la la, life is football. Then 
some twat in combat trousers shouts without an explanation. Cocksucker at the away fans. Is he offering consolation? Then the game gets back to normal. Your granny could do better. It's dismal and abysmal and the keeper knits a sweater. La la la, la la, life is football. La la la, la la, life is football. onto injury time the whistle doesn't blow and they ask us why we drink i think it's time to go there's only so much suffering that's good for any soul i just get through the turnstiles some bastard gets a goal la 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 life is football la 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 life is football la 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 First match of the season, here we are in the beehive. Do we have another pint of beer? The time's 2.45. Life is football. Life is football. And it's not like on the telly, but then real life never is. And it's not like on the telly, but then real life never is. Actually, people go to football a lot of times for connections, whether that's connections to other people or whether it's connections to a place or it's connections to maybe the people who've been in that place who aren't there anymore. You know, it's more like church than, than anything like that. It's home, really. It feels like home. I mean, I was brought up in Hounslow. Um, I live in Wimbledon now, so I don't... I don't, I've never actually lived in Brentford, but whenever I come here, whether it's to, ga to a game or on a non-match day, to the area, it just feels like home. The people feel like my friends and family. It's really just a part of me, really. It's just part of my psyche, really. You know, it's, um, you know, it's like having a, another hand or something. It's just part of me. I, I just can't really imagine life without it, really. My dad used to say, you know, you'll change your wife more times than you change your football team. And, and you know, Brentford, it's, it's, it's a cliche, isn't it? It's in my blood. You thought, what, what, I can't help it. It's like a, 
it's like a sort of uh, a disease, really, that a nice disease. Brentford is the second most, the longest thing in my life, the first being my sister. I mean, now my parents have passed. My sister was there, but she's an older sister, so she was there before me, so I've always known her. But after that, I've always known Brentford, and that's, that's the next thing. And I've never wavered, never supported anybody else. I, I just couldn't imagine what life would be like without it. I mean, even the periods when I couldn't come, um, you know, for business or family reasons, you know, I'd... I'd when I could be home by five o'clock to so I could see the, hear the football results. You meet so many people through being a Brentford supporter. You get you. Yeah, it's just I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I have an interest. I have, you know, connections. I have friends that I wouldn't have if it weren't for supporting Brentford. I mean, I think it's being part of something. I think um, it's somewhere me and my mate have got, we've got together and we enjoy our time. You know, it's like there isn't, no one's got enough time to do anything, but that's our time which is carved out for us to be able to spend doing something we love. Loyalty, um, respect and um, friendship, friend, being friendly. Um, I think the things that encapsulate being a Brentford fan, at least they are to me, um, and not necessarily demanding success, not necessarily demanding things to go your way all the time. Um, carry on doing the right things and normally right things happen. Um, I think they're the things I've taken out of being a Brentford fan. You know, would I have been a more successful person in life if I'd followed Chelsea? When you do demand those things and you're a bit more ruthless, I don't know, um, I quite... I'm quite happy being me. I'm quite happy being a Brentford fan. My wife says that I am uh, obsessed, is her word, with Brentford. I don't think I'm obsessed at all because there's people who never miss games, um, build their whole life around football. Um, you know, my wife's often wondering why we never go away for weekend breaks and things. And, you know... All she has to do is look at the fixture list, really. Which, she, to be fair to her, she's been fantastic and she has started to, to look at. And without her support, you know, I guess I wouldn't have been able to, to have this fantastic adventure. When I was at school, it was flooded with Man United fans, Liverpool fans. But dotted about, there were a few bees here and there. And, you know, if you walk past someone in the corridor and they've got the Brentford badge on, you knew they were a bit of an underdog like you. And you knew it wasn't going to be about winning every week. And I've had a wonderful life being a Brentford supporter, mainly because I'm of a I am naturally of a pessimistic nature. When you're trained to be a lawyer, you have to look out for all the problems that can occur. And you're always thinking, well, what if that happens or that happens? So you always, at the time, have to look on the black side of things. But I took the view and still do that, by and large, a pessimist has more fun out of life because he's always expecting the worst. And when good things happen, he enjoys it far more than those who have been expecting it all the time. So generally speaking, it's been a wonderful life being a Brentford supporter. 
your match day buddies are always, you know, that's the reason you come most of, most of the time in those in those kind of like lower division days. It's certainly not, you know, it's not the football, and it's not necessarily the players. It's it's other Brentford fans, and it's it's coming here, you know. That's it's it's that's the thing that's kept us all going because we all love Brentford Football Club, and that's the package is your mates, your fans, the the grounds, the terraced houses, the floodlights, you know, it's all of that. Football is important, but in many years it's been secondary to the match day experience. And we, that's another expression we've got on Besotted, keep football out of football, because football is the, the only thing that can ruin a day at football. You know, if, you, if, you've got, if you've got a good bunch of mates, you've got a good pub, all of those things, you can have a great day at football. The thing that's going to let you down is the football. Saturday afternoon, Red Army, Griffin Park. I want to be there. Saturday afternoon, Red Army, Griffin Park. I want to be there. The Braemars got the flat caps. Say things like, oh, I remember 1953. The new rose got the noisy boys, the voice of the besotted. It goes, Red Army, we are super bees. Saturday afternoon, Red Army, Griffin Park. I want to be there. Saturday afternoon, Red Army, Griffin Park. Princess Royal, side by side, home and away on the London Pride. West London's wonderful. Apart from Fulham, Saturday afternoon, Red Army, Griffin Park. I want to be there. Saturday afternoon Saturday afternoon I wanna be Saturday afternoon Red Army Griffin Park I wanna be there Saturday afternoon Red Army Griffin Park I wanna be there I can see it's a necessity, but nobody really wants to go. I don't think, anyway. At the, the bottom of their hearts, everybody would... I mean, I suppose it's that's impossible to develop this ground, but that's what everybody would like. It's just something special. A lot of people have been here through rain, shine, success, failure, with their dads and their granddads and their 
wives and their exes and their kids and their kids kids and you know it's um it's something that a lot of people will get justifiably get very emotional about so yeah i'm not looking forward to it leaving griffin park is going to be uh, an emotional time i've dreaded the last game um it's it's been such a part of my life for as long as I can really remember. A whole, my entire adult life has been, this has been something I keep coming back to. Most of my closest friendships have been formed on these terraces or at least in the surrounding pubs of the terraces. And so many memories are here. Whereas we'll look to the future and are excited about what it brings, it's almost like saying goodbye to, a, to an old friend and um, yeah, a friend I'm gonna miss. I've already put my, my two sons on alert that they will actually have to drag me through the gates when, when it's time to go. I, I will probably, I will, uh, uh, unless we've beaten Barnsley 9-0, um, I will probably be exceedingly upset because um, the blind scheme has been my football life. Um, Brentford outside of um, you know bringing up a family of two boys um, so so football to me has been a dream Griffin Park to me has been my second home and so I'll find it exceedingly difficult to go through that gate for the last time uh, I'm going to be really sad when we go um, because this has been my home for you know, 40 odd years. This is where I've come all the whole time. I only stand at football. People are talking about, you know, where's your seat going to be? I've only ever stood at a home game. So it's going to be very strange for me. A lot of really, really, really weird emotions, I'm, I'm sure. But at the same time, we've known that this has been coming for a while. And when I say for a while, I'm not talking about two or three or four or five years. We're talking about 20 years or 25 years. We were meant to go to Western International Market. How long ago was that? So that didn't quite happen. And then I think we were going to go to Woking as well. And that didn't quite happen. We didn't want to go there as well. And uh, so there's all sorts of moves that Brentford are doing. So we've actually been really good in keeping ourselves at Griffin Park. And I think, you know, we've come to the end of our time now. Um, and we've managed to string it out for long enough. But um, it's going to be a really sad moment when we go. But at the same time, I think it's going to be exciting. When it comes to all seaters, it's something I'm really struggling to get my head around. I've always stood on a terrace, even in an away ground where you can't stand, I'll try my best to stand. Sitting down for me isn't football. Sitting down for me is if you're watching a game at home, you can sit down. If you're going to the theatre, you sit down. Football is something which you should enjoy, you should be animated about, you should embrace. The, uh, the activity, the, the, um, the physical element of supporting your team, clapping hands and making noise. Sitting down somewhat removes that. Heartbroken. And I say that as someone who's campaigned and campaigned for years about getting the new stadium. I'm on board just with the reasons for it. I'd stay here. I'd stay here with it empty. I don't even care. I don't even care <laughs> if the football's good, you know. For me, football will finish. I'll still go. 
and then it will start again and hopefully it will start again you know in this new era and it will be brilliant and we'll build all those communities again and the people around you you'll get to know again and see grow and all of those things but it starts again we're the fabric of the club we will take that ethos and that spirit and what we stand for and the memories of where we've come from to the new ground because that's that's our dna and the dna is really important in a football club um, every, I'm not saying that it's unique to Brentford, but our DNA is unique. There's only one reason I'm quite happy to move. That's the toilets. <laughs> I am probably in a minority in saying I'm, I'm quite pleased. I'll be quite pleased to get this over and done with, all this countdown to how many games. I'll just, I'll just get on with it, please. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, I, there'll be a little. There will be a little bit of a. I will be shedding a little bit of a tear inside me. But I'm, I'm not overly. I'm not. Um, I think as I explained earlier, and I, I think some of the stadium. The stadium has lost a lot of its um, aura, if you like, if that's the right word. Um, quite some while back, so I'm not quite as misty-eyed as a lot of people are. I think Griffin Park has had its day. I think it used to be a magnificent place, always scruffy. I always remember it being scruffy and dark and dank and puddles everywhere. Um, but when it had that Royal Oak stand and when it had the, the, the bigger uh, new road stand, it was quite amazing. Um, I fell out of love with it when the Windy House went up. Um, so it's, it's almost like... Um, so now I feel it's like it's moving house. You know, you move, a, you move from a small house into a big house. And so you're getting, you're getting some real benefit. The, you know, the, there's the nice original features, I suppose, of Griffin, Griffin Park, which you, people like in a house, you know, like the fireplace and the cornicing. Um, but we're going to move into a new sort of spanking new, new house with flat walls, no chimney breasts. Um, but it's going to be nice and clean and warm and comfortable and it's going to have a nice new toilet which is really important i, I will miss it in, in in that sense on the other hand um, it's really clear that we need a new stadium we need to take more money and and how brilliant that it's just across the road uh, uh um actually closer to town it's not on some out of town shopping center uh, uh, you know, it's it's going to have proper facilities. Going to have proper changing rooms for the for the players. It's going to have a, uh, uh, you know, but I'll probably carry on drinking in one of the pubs around here and then walking along. That's my hope anyway. But Brentford deserves some success. I'll be really pleased to see them, and I hope they don't overstretch themselves. But I don't think that's part of the club. I don't think this is a club that's going to say we're going up to the Premiership and we're going to stay there. We might do. It'd be great if we did. But if we go up the Premiership and have a season up there, yes. And then we come back down again. And then we've still got a better ground. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's going to be hard. Um, but I think as long as there's something there where that I can go back to um, once we've moved, I think that then that will be somewhere that I'd go to maybe once a season and remember... My dad, my granddad, my grandma, you know, all those people have been before. I think if you go to a football ground, particularly this one, when it's empty, which I don't know if you ever have done, you can still feel what's been in it. 
in the way you come with the church. And I think that's really interesting because that only comes from all those people and all those connections around all those times. A pub on every corner, that's what you're famous for. But for every Brentford fan, you'll always be much more. You'll always be our home from home, a little piece of joy, and conjure up in all of us that little girl and boy. You are the place we come to when hopes and dreams collide. And like a loving arm around us, you keep us safe inside. And like the song we know so well, you let us into your heart. But not a sad song shall we sing, because this is just the start. We will not forget you, that's not the Brentford way, for the magic of this special place is with us every day. And as for the final whistle blows, and we leave our home behind, the ghosts of fans and players past will echo for all time. We always will love you, just like your flesh and bone, because Griffin Park, you'll forever be one of our very own UBs. The last match of the season, here we are in the beehive. Do we have another pint of beer? The time's 2.45. Nothing happens in the first five minutes of each game. And lately all the other 85 are much the same. A defence you'd use for goalposts on Sundays down the park. No midfield and a forward line on loan from Noah's Ark. So we have another pint of beer and turn up to the ground. Five minutes late. One nil down. La la la, la la la, life is football. La la la, la la la, life is football. This podcast was presented by me, Jatinga Dibali, and in this episode you will have heard from Brian Godfrey, Dave Christie, Brian Burgess, Paul Stedman, Natasha Jocelyn, Mel Collins, David Lane. Sav Kuriaku, Claire Paleshka, Billy Gron, Gemma Teal, James McKeegan, Jim Levac, Dan Patch, Ed Cohen, Ron Cooper, and Hugh Powell. The music was written and performed by Rob Johnson. The podcast was produced by Digital Works. The project was funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and supported by Brentford Football Club. Listen to the full interviews and find out more about the project at www.pushupbrentford.org.uk. Then the game gets back to normal Your granny could do better It's dismal and abysmal And the keeper knits a sweater La 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 Life is football Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.